0: Saving Thousands is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding, Inc. is licensed and can offer
1: loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751, telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding's
0: nationwide mortgage licensing system ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're Saving Thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Why do I sound so pumped up? Why is this such a great show? I'll tell you why. Because it's all about you. It's all about empowering you and giving you the financial tools that you just don't get anywhere else. I mean, let's face it. We went all the way through school. We got our first job. We got our second job. We go to college. We graduate from college. We start bringing in those paychecks. Then there's a disconnect, a major disconnect, because unlike any other area of our life, no one has ever given us even rule number one as to what we do with that money. So we kind of bounce from late notice to late notice to maybe I'll put some money in this account, maybe I'll try to buy a CD. I really don't know what to do with my money. And at the end of the day, the big financial institutions have taken advantage of us and we have less money than we had when we started the week. Well, where did it all go? And all of a sudden it's a Wednesday and we don't have enough money to make it to Friday. And so then we fall prey to those payday loan places, or we go to a relative and say, hey, you know, I just need an extra $500 this month so I can make the car payment. What in the world is going on with finance? We need to take control. When that dollar comes to us, we need to be counting on that dollar, and we need to have planned out what we're going to do with it. So this show is kind of like your GPS. This show is your guide with Robert Palmer, who is very successful in the financial industries, Robert Palmer takes us every day through the jungle, through the myriad of problems that we all have with money. And he gives us the solution. He walks us through that. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and the light at the end of the tunnel is financial freedom. And all of a sudden, we go from the darkness of being a financial zombie to the light, and we understand money. And we're no longer intimidated by money, by loans, by banks, by financial institutions. Put them in their place. They don't run our lives. We do. So, Robert, one of the things we really want to open the show with today is almost everybody listening has credit, but that's where it ends. They don't understand how the process works.
1: And, and so people understand a little bit how credit scoring works. Again, the basics, a lot of, I mean, just the basics of this. So many people don't understand. So there are three credit bureaus in this country. All right. Mm-hmm. Equifax, Experian and TransUnion. All right. These guys don't generate the credit scores right? They didn't invent the credit scores. What they invented was, and they call them repositories. What they are is they're basically the holding bank. They hold all the information on your credit. And so what happens is all of the credit companies, all the mortgage companies, all the big car lenders, collection agencies, all these people, they transmit data to the three credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Mm -hmm. And then these guys keep a file of you, right? So that file is your credit report. And again, they're not getting daily updates, they get it once a month. Some companies only report every couple of months. I've got one credit card in particular; they only report every couple months. Really? So if I miss that deadline and I've got a balance on there, that balance is going to stick with me for the next two or three months. It drives <sighs> me crazy. It's a smaller credit union that I that I bank with, mm-hmm. and they just they don't report as often as as the bigger <laughs> guys do. You know, because you think about it, like there is a there's a there's, they have to actually physically do it. Like they have to gather all this data up and put it in a format that's acceptable to the credit bureaus and they got to transmit it to them. It's not there's not just like it just beams around in the sky, mm-hmm. right? And so we actually we report now, you know, on the loans that we service at RP Funding, we had to get set up to to report to the credit bureaus. And so what happens is the credit bureaus have this big file on you and each of your credit lines is only is only transmitting the data once a month in most cases, but uh that means that the data is hitting them all throughout the month. Right, Because one of my credit cards may send the transmission on the 3rd, and one may send the transmission on the 10th, and one may send the transmission on the 20th. And so it's constantly changing as these new transmissions come in. Well, then there's another company called Fair Isaac Corporation, which we all know as FICO, Uh F-I-C-O. And these are the guys that actually invented the credit score. Okay, So what Fair Isaac, F-I-C-O, FICO, Fair Isaac Corporation figured out is they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get all that data from Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax And then we're going to run a model on it and we're going to give it back a number you know we're gonna give it back a score because what what they realized or the problem they were trying to solve is a lot of lenders you know credit card companies it was it was very expensive to pay someone to read through 7 years of your credit data and then try to decide if you were going to be a credit-worthy person or not, uh-huh. right? So they would they would look through and they would pay these people, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, whose job were to look through the credit report and say, "Okay, well, he's had this he's had this car loan for 6 years and never missed a payment and he's had this credit card for 18 years and never missed a payment." Nope. Nope, there he he had a late payment on this credit card back 5 years ago you know, oh, this credit card's pretty near its balance, you know, and, and then the, it was like an art form. These people's job was then to, <laughs> like, process all this data and decide, okay, do we think this person's going to pay or not? So what Fair Isaac figured out, uh, FICO, is they took all of this data and they went back and they analyzed it and they said, okay, so we see here that in June, this guy filed bankruptcy, right? So what did his credit look like in February, March, April, and May leading up to that bankruptcy? Because mm-hmm. those are the warning signs that someone is heading toward a bankruptcy. And so when they took the millions and millions of credit reports and they dumped them all into the scoring model, and then the scoring model took negative events in people's credit files and then looked back to see what was happening immediately before that negative event, and that's what they used to, to generate their scoring model. And so the big pitch to the lenders was, hey, instead of having to pay this person all this money to read through 30 pages of this guy's credit report, we're going to give you back a number. And that number gives you the probability that this loan will pay back. And so if your credit score is down in the 500s, you have something like a 50 like a 50 to 60% chance of paying mm-hmm. the money back. It's pretty low. And then if your credit score is over 760 or 780, it's like you have like a 99.9% chance that you're going to pay that money back. And and so we over the years, as the credit score has been reinforced more and more and more, there are lenders today, that's all they look at. I mean, for a lot of credit cards and car loans today, mm-hmm. they they don't even look at the, the data behind it. They just look at the score. And if the score says 780, boom, you're good to go. If Mm. the score says 580, you're out the door. I mean, it really has just come down to that. And so because we are now being judged by this number, and the biggest problem with the number, Rob, is the number can't know about things that happen in your life, right? You can't tell the number, oh, well, I went through a bad divorce, and those aren't my debts. Those are my ex-spouse's debts, and they're a deadbeat. You know, the the, the number can't see that, right? And so we took so much of the human element out of this, but it's important for consumers to understand because— Again, it doesn't affect bad on your credit until you go 30 days late, right? So if, if your credit card is due on the third, I got a credit card payment, it's hundred bucks and it's due on April 4th. As long as I make it by May 3rd, it's not going to reflect negatively on my credit report, right? It's not considered a 30 day late. And then, so then they go in 30 day increments. So a 30 day late is kind of your first ding. And then you have all the way until a 60 day late before it gets worse and then a 90 day late and so on and so forth then other types of debts don't report at all. Like if you're 30 days late on your electric bill, like they can cut your power off yeah. and it never goes on. It goes on your credit report much later if they actually file a collection against you. Uh. But uh, but so so say your your power bill's due on, you know, April th- April 3rd and I don't pay it by May 3rd and then they send me the warrant notes and I don't pay it by June 3rd and then they come shut my power off and then like, oh God, I need my power back on. So mm-hmm. I find the money <laughs> and run in there pay it and they turn the power back on. Uh, that never reflects on your credit report. That whole transaction... Wow. Of being three months late and having the credit the the power cut off will not affect your credit report your credit score at all. Now four or five months later if you still haven't paid it now they will sell that account to a collection agency or they will file a collection against you and that does go on your credit and that's mm-hmm. very very damaging. So one of the things that, that people have to understand is if you do hit hard times uh, if you don't pay your cell phone bill it's not going to ruin your credit. If you don't pay your car payment within the 30 days you know if you pay your car payment day 31. If you pay your credit card at day thirty one, now your credit score is gonna drop hundreds of points. Mm, if you pay boy. your cell phone bill at day sixty, nobody cares. It doesn't go on your credit. You pay your utility bill, your water bill, your power bill, your property tax bill, these things you can be late with and they don't show up on your credit. So again, this is where education is important. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so knowing this, you know, when I hit hard times in my life and there's been there's been times, you know, when, when I when I started my first uh my first mortgage company, Rob, and I, I you know I've had I've had two thirty day late payments in my life ever on my credit it was wow. both times because i just screwed up like it, it totally blew it one i swear i paid mm-hmm. and discovered says i didn't and i want i hate those guys like i <laughs> i canceled that card and i will never do business with them again because i know i paid that bill anyway uh but so early on you know when i started my first mortgage company uh, there was actually a point where i think i was like 3 months late on the phone bill for the office you know cuz it was tough you know starting off was tough sure. this was i was young i think i was probably like 19 or 20 and i had this great idea that i'm going to i'm going to own my own mortgage company and i go out there and i really didn't have enough money to do it and i gave it a whirl and uh so i was like i was like 3 months late on my on my office phone bill and my my best friend of the times dad actually loaned me the money to go pay it uh, my my mom didn't have the money. You know, my mom couldn't help me out. My parents couldn't help me out. So my best friend's dad loans me like a thousand bucks. I remember I'm down in line. At, this was like GTE back then. Yeah. You know exactly. GTE General Telephone. I'm in line and and the the lady tells she's like, okay sir, you know that's one thousand eleven dollars whatever. And the guy behind me is like, what? How is your <laughs> phone bill like? He like this guy random guy behind me in line is like freaking out that that my phone bill is like just over a thousand dollars and it was three months worth. They were about to shut it off. Oh, and let man. me tell you, when you own a small business and your phone gets shut off, mm-hmm. you're you're out of business. That's you good. are done. Uh, and so, but the whole time I kept paying my my credit cards and my cars, I, I paid the stuff that would have reflected on my credit because if my credit score dropped, right? So as soon as I walked in there and I handed GTE $1,000, all was forgiven. It was like it never happened, right? The phone stayed on. Everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Had I gone three months late on a credit card, it would have affected my credit score for the next 12, 18, 24 months. Mm-hmm. Had I gone three months late on my car payment, same thing, right? So I knew. You know, there was a point my power got cut off back in the day. It probably got cut off a couple times back in the day. You know, and I'd be sitting around for a week with no power dealing with it, go stay at a buddy's house because I, I got no power at my house. But again, I made sure I paid the credit cards and I made sure I paid the car loan because if those were late, it would have ruined my credit score. And in everything in life, especially as a small business owner, you know, if I wanted to get a new copy machine for the business, anything I wanted to do, when I went to open that, that, that uh, phone account, They didn't make me give them a deposit because I had such a good credit score. Nice. You know, I almost got shut off because I didn't pay them for three months because I couldn't. (laughs) But, you know, again, so you've got to understand the system. You've got to understand how the system works so you can play by the rules, so you can play by their rules and protect your credit score. Because little decisions like that, I mean, I think about that. Somebody who doesn't know that 30 days is the magic number, Rob, and and they pay that, you know, they get the money on day 29. But then they don't pay it until day 30 or day 31 cuz they didn't know any better. They they thought they were already done, right? Sure. They thought when they when they got the late fee at day 15 that their credit was already ruined. And this happens to a lot of people. Uh-huh. You know, they get the day you're 15 days late, you get charged a late fee and you're thinking, "Oh, I just ruined my credit. What am I going to do? I just ruined my credit. I got to pay a late fee on this." In reality, you're good. You got 15 more days. Uh-huh. It doesn't affect your credit until your past 30 days due. But people don't know that. And that's where education is so huge and this is something I think we should be teaching in our schools that we're not and uh you know that's that's again it's why i'm here mm-hmm. on the radio to try to open people's minds up to this because everything you do in life buying a house buying a car starting a small business all of these things you know, getting your kid into college and trying to get student loans all of these things are going to be based on your credit score you know and so mm-hmm. if you don't mm-hmm. have the good credit score uh, you may not be able to get the things you want in life
0: hey if you're just tuning in we're saving thousands with robert Palmer right here on this industry leading radio station we love this station and we didn't just happen upon being here you know we took months of solid solid investigation we looked up every one of the 80 plus stations that carry SavingThousands.com. they didn't come to us we came to them why we were looking for you you're the audience that we want you're the audience that robert palmer wants to address because this radio station is going after people in this community who are leaders who have shown that they want more information They want to become empowered, okay? So there's a lot of great shows on this station, and we are proud as we can be to be among those people that you listen to right here, all right? So what you want to do is, if you're going to be driving from this area, please go to savingthousands.com. That's savingthousands.com, and look on station listings, and you'll be able to take us with you wherever you go. And don't forget, there's two other ways. Robert has a 24-7, 365 station on iHeart. So if you venture out of the coverage of this radio station that you love so much, don't fear. You can still become empowered. You can still learn more about each and every dollar in your wallet or purse or your bank simply by going to the iHeart and researching or looking up at the search engine and hitting Robert Palmer. Or there's another way. How about on your smartphone? Simply go to the Play Store and download Saving Thousands Radio. That's Saving Thousands Radio. Okay. That will come right into your phone. And from then on, you can select from shows you want to hear when you want to hear them on demand. Okay. Still to come on the show, we're going to be talking about ways that people entice you to get a credit card. We're going to be talking about those so-called credit cleanup services. You know, you see their signs on the side of the road, those little plastic signs. Yeah. And it's like magic marker. We can save your credit. All right. We'll talk about that. We're going to be talking about the need to know more about your credit card accounts, and you need to know about what is coming up that you don't know when you sign up for that mobile app. You're going to save the trees, but boy, that loan company is going to probably get you in the long run. And we'll talk about the huge benefits of buying rather than renting. Robert, right now, these winter months bring about a lot of trips to the mall. We want to get out of the house. We want to get around people. And of course, there's those big shopping occasions. We know that. But while we're in line, Okay, there's people behind us. The kids are getting restless. We're checking our watch. We've got places to be. And that nice, courteous girl or guy on the other side of the counter suddenly tells us you can get a huge discount on what you're buying today if you'll simply take just a minute and you'll fill out our app for our department store credit card. We're caught in a trap. Yeah,
1: we, we pulled an example of this. I don't Ouch. Have, I don't have the exact numbers, but roughly. So we looked at the bank that was backing the card. That's right. right? Because the thing is, the department stores, it's not their money. They go hook up with a big bank and say, hey, big bank, we can we can scam our customers into signing up for these cards so we can charge a much higher interest rate, whatever. So they get together and they say, all right, we're gonna charge these people 29% interest, 25% interest, whatever. If you called that bank directly, you can get a card like 12% interest or 13% interest. I mean, they, they literally double it because you're getting it in line at the store. Now, you can take you can take advantage of this. You can use this to your advantage. You know, you can pay that card off, you can you can make sure that they never get a dime of interest out of you, and then you do get that savings. but what happens? A lot of people don't rob, and oh. and what I will tell you is, uh, I personally do not think having a trade line is worth, you know, if you look at the savings, right? So if you're going to buy a two hundred and fifty dollar item or two hundred dollar item, and they're going to give you twenty percent off, you're going to save forty bucks. Uh, you know, I don't know that forty bucks, in my opinion, is worth uh, applying for a new credit card, getting the credit ding, having this new trade line. Because remember, the first six months of having a new trade line, it it hurts your credit. And yeah. so are you going to you're going to let your credit score suffer for six months just to save? 40 bucks. There's people who do it to save $5 because they're, it's a smaller ticket when they check out at Kohl's or whatever. And and I think you have to be more strategic about where you use these. You have to be strategic in if you end up buying a car and you miss out on the 0% interest deal because your credit score fell because you took the the $40 savings of the department store. Or if you miss out on a, – like a, if there's like an 18-month interest-free for furniture – or for a big jewelry purchase or whatever, you may miss out on that because your credit score dipped because you took advantage of that little store card. Yep. Uh, so I am not a fan. I, I I think we've got to be strategic as financial ninjas, but we've got to be we've got to be more strategic than that. Just because you can mm-hmm. save a few bucks, even if you pay it off and never let them get interest out of you, it's still now a new trade line. There's still some some downside to having it, and and I think there are better alternatives where you can save more money. Uh, by making better decisions in other ways.
0: And if you're not a very responsible consumer, and a lot of people are a little bit lazy about this, they'll go, okay, here's JCPenney where I have a $1,000 uh, credit limit, okay? Here's Kohl's where I only, I don't have a credit limit. Oh, I can go over there and get the clothes because they say I've got that much money. You know, when it comes to department stores, you think, oh, that's how much merchandise I can have. You don't think about the
1: payments. No, absolutely, you know, uh, <laughs> in the, in the early days when Jill and I were broke, you know, when I first opened RP Funding, uh, we lived, like her Best Buy card, she had a Best Buy card that had like a couple thousand bucks lemon on it, <laughs> and so like if we needed anything that you could possibly buy at Best Buy, we were going to Best Buy, and now we weren't going to shop around, we weren't worried about getting the best deal, because we had credit there, yeah. you know. And, and this is the trap they want you to fall into, uh, because they know that's what's going to happen, and so there, there's really, this is where rule number three comes in, the three-day rule, so one of our, you know, n- rule number three on the saving thousands and rules here there. is the three-day rule. Well, if you're standing in line at Kohl's or Best Buy or whatever, and they offer you a credit card, you can very politely say, Well, I'm sorry, I have to wait three days before I can make a decision. That's, it's part of my rules. It's part of how I live financially. I'm a financial ninja. I don't make, I don't apply for credit. I don't make a decision like that without, you know, reviewing it for three days. So if you'll please give me the pamphlet on your little, you know, little on your card, give me a little flyer so I can go home and I can study the interest rate, the APR, the annual fee, and, and all the terms and conditions. Uh, then if in three days, if it seems like a good idea to me, I will come back and I will get your little credit card. And they'll say, But, sir, you're going to, Miss out on the opportunity to save 20% on today's $100 purchase. And I will say, well, that's okay. I'll probably be back here and spend $100 again. uh, And I'll just apply for the card then, three days from now or later. So then uh, three days later, you say, you know what? It does seem like a good idea to get that Kohl's card or whatever. I shop there a lot. I think it's worth it. Uh, If that's the decision you make after three days of thinking about it, then the next time you go shopping there, maybe a month later, maybe six weeks later, And you spend $100, now you can take advantage of the discount, Uh but I want you to go in there having already done your homework. I want you to know what the annual fee is. I want you to know what the APR is. I want you to make that decision three days prior right, to actually doing it. So now when you're in there shopping, you know at the register, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Kohl's card. You made a decision on your own terms. No one pressured you. You weren't distracted by being in line. You've looked at this, and you've made a decision as a financial ninja that this is something that makes sense for you. This is one of the credit cards, one of the tools that you want in your arsenal, and you've thought on it, and you've slept on it, and you followed rule number three, the three-day rule, and now you're ready to go back in there, and you're ready to get that card the way a financial ninja would, which is prepared as a conscious decision, not just falling into the smoke and mirrors of the discount. You'll still get your discount. I mean, that's the thing. They give you the discount. One time, whenever you sign up for the card, well, how many times? If you've only gonna shop there once in your life, what's the point? Yeah, Otherwise, just wait and get the card the next time you're there if it still seems like a good idea. So that is my advice when it comes to store charge cards, because all of a sudden you will wake up one day and you will find a balance on there and you'll be paying a ridiculous interest rate, uh, all because you fell into that trap and didn't follow the three day rule, and Very, didn't, probably didn't follow the, the rule number two either, which is know your numbers. And you probably didn't follow rule number one, which is shop around. Shop around, know your numbers. Follow the three-day rule. That's the top three rules here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network.
0: You know, Robert, more and more people are listening to Saving Thousands, and they're going to savingthousands.com, and not a day goes by that somebody doesn't bring you up in conversation when we're talking maybe at dinner or maybe just a social get-together, and they'll say, you know, that Robert Palmer, he is really giving us good financial advice, and you know what? Our finances are getting better. We're coming along. We've got more money at the end of the day, end of the week end of the year and you know what the strange thing is we didn't get a raise at work we're just managing our money better and it was so easy to do i mean robert doesn't want us to go out and sacrifice a lot he wants us to think and he wants us to know the financial traps that those big big banks and these financial institutions are setting for us you know they come along with their commercials and they come along with their hype and they're smiling and they look so friendly when at the same time They're trying to reach around us to our back pocket or reach into our purse and take our money. Well, those days are gone because now we know the tricks of the trade and Robert Palmer is empowering us each and every day and teaching us more about our level of economy. So we're not talking about the stock market. We're not talking about the World Monetary Fund. We're not talking about the meeting of the Fed. We're talking about simple day-to-day, you get some dollars by pay, and it's how you use them that puts you to the head of the class. You want to know more? Well, we've got several places where you can find out more. You've got the radio show. You're already there, right? Well, how about savingthousands.com? Have you checked on it? Savingthousands.com is a phenomenal destination. And as the show goes on, I'm going to take you on a virtual tour of savingthousands.com. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to learn a lot. But Robert, as I was driving to the studio today, Oh, I came to a stop sign on my way over here, and there was a new crop of those plastic signs. You know the ones I mean? You stick them in the ground, you you write on them with a magic marker, and these were great. They were promising to clean up my bad credit for only $200. Well, goodness gracious, sounds like a great deal.
1: Yeah, so let me tell you, that 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 200 bucks is going to go to clean up the guy's credit who you gave it to because he's going <laughs> to use that to pay down his Visa card, and then you're never going to hear from him again. Uh, yeah, th- there is no magic wand. Yeah, I mean, so here's the deal. So there are companies out there that, that have ways to try to trick the system. But every time they come up with a way to try to trick the system, the credit bureaus figure out how to stop that from working. So uh, just to give people an idea of what some of these companies would do. Uh, one of the things they will do is they would just dispute everything on your credit. They will send a letter to every single creditor you have saying, this is not my account. Prove that it is. Right. And once upon a time, this worked because once upon a time, the credit creditors were kind of lazy about it. And then the credit bureaus came out and said, look, guys, you gotta take this more seriously. If it's really their account, you gotta, you gotta leave it on there. You can't just, you can't just delete it because you're too lazy to go through the dispute process, sure. right? So that happened. So th- that really doesn't work like it used to. Because now when you dispute everything, they will write you back and say, uh, this is your date of birth, this is your social security number, this is the this is the store you were standing in. When you took out the line of credit, here's a picture of you at the register, it's your account. Whoops. Right? They didn't used to they didn't used to take it that seriously. Yeah. So that, that quit working. So then the next thing is this one was kind of sneaky, Rob. So they they would have people that had really good credit cards, right? Really good credit accounts, and they would take people. So like, say I have a fifty thousand dollar credit card that's never been late. It's got ten year history on it. You know, like it's it's having a huge positive impact on my credit. And then you, Rob, you have terrible credit. So I would, uh, in order to help boost your credit, I would make you an authorized user on my credit card. Now I would never give you the card. Like, the whole point of authorized user is, like, if you want to give your kids a card, mm-hmm. you know, give your spouse a card, you make them an authorized user, and this reports on their credit, okay? So, they would oh. actually, they would make complete strangers authorized users, but they would never give them the card. So, they couldn't they couldn't do anything with it, but it would show up on their credit. Oh. So, now, all of a sudden, my, my perfect account with great $50,000 limit, zero balance, great pay history, now shows up on your credit report because you're an authorized user, well, the credit bureaus figured that out, and they put a stop to that. <laughs> so the, the authorized user accounts no longer positively impact your credit score. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all kind of scams these guys have come up with. At the end of the day, there is no magic bullet. There is no secret letter. You, you know, this we have the secret letter. Yeah, we've got and it. And when we send this letter, they delete everything on your credit. That's that's crap. It doesn't mm-hmm. exist, right? So just be cautious of that. I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to clean up your credit, it's simple. Like So, uh, you know, people that have good credit, no one taught them how to have good credit. They didn't have to pay anybody to give them good credit. But the idea is like once you've screwed up, then you should pay someone to fix it. You, you can't. You just have to do the things you should have done in the first place. Pay, repay everyone you owe money to. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, you are have bad credit. That's so right. So that 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 five thousand dollar Visa card you maxed out and never paid back six years ago. Ooh. pay them back, right? You want to have good credit? Pay back everybody you owe money to, and then pay everybody on time, and don't max out your credit cards ever again. And if you do those three things, you will have good credit. You can go ahead and mail the check for two hundred fifty dollars here to RP Funding, <laughs> care of Robert Palmer. Uh, for expert credit repair advice, and just go ahead and send me that check for two hundred fifty bucks instead of sending it to the guy who drew the corrugated sign, and I will happily cash that, and I will take my beautiful wife to dinner with that two hundred fifty dollars, and you will get the same amount of work from me that you would have gotten from the other guy (laughs) on your credit.
0: Yes, we are saving thousands right here with you, Robert Palmer. I just love doing this show. You know, coming to work every day. I don't know any of my circle of friends, my relatives. I can't think of anyone, even my former classmates that I read about on Facebook, I I sometimes have to brag that I've got the best job in the world. I'm kind of like everybody else here at the Robert Palmer family of companies. How could you not want to come to work when you know you're doing good for people, when you know that people are learning, that people are actually getting more from their money? I mean, this is a great place and a great job. I love it here. I would not do anything else. And I really think that I'd still come to work here if I won the lottery. You know why? Well, with the money that I make, I'm very, very happy. And using those Saving Thousands rules to success that I can find at savingthousands.com has helped me kind of change my ways. It's helped me alter the way I handle my money. And by golly, I'm not wasting as much money as I used to. And that kind of brings me to the point of what we're wanting to talk about next. You know, we as a society, I believe we've been duped. And Robert, I'll tell you why. The credit card companies and all the credit companies that I know of, that I use anyway, are using this out-of-sight, out-of-mind tactic to keep me in the dark of what's really going on with my bills. There's things I want to know that I can't find on that site that I get on my computer or my smartphone. You know, in the name of the environment we've all been talked into, don't get those paper statements anymore. We want you to go online and there's going to be your bill and your statement. The problem is, Having learned so much from you right here on the Saving Thousands radio network, I know that there's more for me to know when it comes to my credit accounts. And I don't find that online. So I want to go back to the papered statements, or I at least want to be able to find the information.
1: So here's what I want everyone to do. I want you to download those PDFs and I want you to look at them. All right. Take the statement credit, let them stop mailing them to you. That's fine. We'll all save the environment together, but don't stop looking at the paper statement, Mm -hmm. you know, so go on there, click however many links you have to click to, to find the PDF of your paper statement and get it and look at it. And I want you to sit down and I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to say to yourself, I spent $391 and 11 cents last month in interest. (sighs) Say it four or five times to yourself. Mm. All right. And see how differently you feel about leaving balances on those credit cards. Right. Because information is power folks and they know it. And they're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they know they they want to shut me up so bad they can't stand it. You know, I'm out here telling people all the dirty tricks, right? And and, and guess what? If you know about the dirty tricks, they don't work anymore. That's right. right? The tricks only work because you don't know. You're sitting here thinking, oh, this is so great. We're saving the environment, right? And the average consumer doesn't recognize that. Well, there's no all this information is missing from the new screen, right? Just- you know what, what's going on here. You know, and, and just it's this cat and mouse game. And so, you know, maybe next the government will start to regulate the online banking and make them show more of this information. Mm-hmm. And then they'll just figure out how to stick it somewhere else, right? Then they'll move it from the internet to a mobile app. And then the government will come back out and say, oh, well, when you have a mobile app, you have to show the information. You know, it's just it's this constant cat and mouse game. And the consumer is always going to lose. Unless the consumer educates themselves, unless we educate ourselves, mm-hmm. unless we become skeptical of these companies, right? Unless we look out for ourselves, unless we try to find the hidden meaning in, in everything they're doing. Because trust me, they're not making any decisions because they could care less about the environment, okay? it's not Everything has an agenda with large financial services companies. This is one of the first things I learned in my career. It's one of the things that drove me out of the big financial services companies mm-hmm. so what drove me into starting my own companies, what drove me into starting RP funding so I could be different. So I could not play the game. So I could not hide things from people. So I could not try to sit up at night and try to figure out ways to to you know to get around government regulation to not have to show people the truth because oh my God, what if they pay us back on time and don't waste money on interest? And what if we don't charge them fees and how are we ever going to survive? It's easy, folks. It's really easy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean if you think about if you think about how little they pay us on our savings accounts and how little they pay us on bonds, right? How dare they charge anyone a 29% interest rate on a credit card, but it happens. Mm -hmm. It happens today and it happens to a lot of people and those people just don't realize. They just, they don't realize that they're not, they don't see, they they can't tell how bad it is and that's what this is all about. So that is my, uh, that's my rant about the credit card industry uh, so do yourself that favor, look at the PDF, study those boxes. They really have some great information The mm-hmm. the new regulations force them to show you what it would look like to pay that debt off sooner, what making a small extra payment every month would do, and get yourself on a plan to get that debt retired. You know, I am personally am a big fan of paying off your highest interest rate debt first. Uh, I know there's there's yeah. others that, that preach differently. Uh, I'm a numbers and cents guy. Mm-hmm. So if credit card A is at 29% interest and $1,000, it's costing me $209 a year, okay, If credit card B is at 15% interest and it's a $500 balance, right? It's not costing me as much, but it's not costing me near as much because the percentage is different. And so if I put $100, if I make an extra $100 payment on a 15% interest rate card, I save $15. If I put $100 extra payment on a 29% interest rate card, I save $29. I would rather save $29 than $15. So when you decide you want to start retiring your debt, you've got to start with the highest interest rate debts. And guess what? If you've got a credit card that's 0% interest for six months... Don't pay that one off first. No hey, way. Hey, you know, you want to know when you pay that one off? Six months in one day, right? Day 181. <laughs> you know, stick it to them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because, hey, let me tell you, that six months, you know, because you've seen these, Rob, you get these offers. Oh, yeah. Transfer your balance to us and we'll give you six months six with months. no interest, right? And they lose money during that six months. Right. I mean, they lose a lot of money. I mean, in our example, if you took your $1,000 limit, $1,000 balance that paying 29% interest on, 290 bucks a year, you transfer it over, right? You're going to save half of that money. For six months and no interest, right. right? You save half of that, two hundred ninety bucks, right there. Done, and, uh, and and so take advantage of these opportunities, and so don't pay that one off first. And, and while mm-hmm. you're saving the the hundred forty five dollars on that card, we'll put that somewhere else. Put that on one of your other interest rate higher interest rate cards. But then beware, because when the zero percent expires, you now have a new master in life, and they may have a higher interest rate. You know, you yeah. never know. You got to look at it. And and so these are all the decisions we have to make as consumers. And if we are conscious of what we are spending in in interest. Right. Because right? I think what a lot of people think is like, oh, so I, I bought that I bought that uh, stuff. I bought the stuff. I went down to Best Buy and I bought some stuff. And the stuff cost $1,000. And so I mailed in a payment this month of $80. Well, now I probably only owe $920 on my stuff. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> you owe $998 on your stuff. Even though you made an $80 payment, because that's mm-hmm. how interest works. The interest gets paid first. They pay themselves first, right? So when you make that payment, they take the interest out, and then whatever's left goes towards your balance. And so once you've made $1,000 worth of payments, you do not owe zero. You know you You're probably still going to owe four or $500, <laughs> depending on how long it took you to make that $1,000 worth of payments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what we've got to understand. We've got to do a better job of understanding interest, how it works, how it can make us a slave. And so when you think about this, Rob, we're talking about credit cards at, at numbers like 29%, 19%, 22%. Mortgage rates are in the threes and the fours. Wow. Right? So, I mean, where, where do you want to put your money? You know, I mean, I will have people come in here and, and you know, they, they want to put 20% down because they don't want to pay PMI. But they've got all these credit cards. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, well, come on, put 10% down and pay off your credit cards. Stop being a slave to the interest.
0: Hey, Robert, if you don't mind, I'd like to take this opportunity to take our listeners on a virtual tour of SavingThousands.com. It really is a useful site, everybody. And unlike a lot of the things you'll find on the Internet, this is not trying to sell you anything. It is an extension of the Saving Thousands radio network that appears right on your computer, on your cell phone, your tablet, whatever device you've got that connects you with the Internet. It's a free passageway, no obligation, No banner ads trying to sell you anything. It's a completely free site. But you would think with all the information that's on that site that it would cost you money. But it doesn't. It's another public service of the Robert Palmer family of companies. You'll find those Saving Thousands rules. You'll find past radio shows that we've done by topic. You'll find a station listing. Where on the map are we broadcasting what day, what time? You'll get Ask Robert your opportunity to click. On a tab that will open up a form for you and you simply type in with all confidentiality you type in your question about finance about credit cards about real estate about mortgages to robert palmer and he gets these and he will answer you and finally across the top of the homepage, it's the home value hotline and that is your portal to the most precise evaluation of your home's value, not computed by some computer bank and algorithms in California, but as set by the mortgage professionals and the real estate professionals that deal every single day in pricing homes in your neighborhood. That's who you want to give you the evaluation, not some crazy computer site, but by the people who are active in real estate right on your block. And that's just some of the stuff you'll get at saving Take a look at it. And I know that you will come out on top. You know, Robert, one of the info modules that you and I did about two years ago, that's gotten a huge amount of discussion when I'm talking to people is the one where we talked about those so-called sacrifices that we verbalize when we're talking to our significant other and we're at the family and we're looking at that beautiful dream home. And we know that it's just about how much we can afford, maybe a little bit more. And so we'll start promising, Well, honey, I'll golf fewer times during the month. We'll save some money by me cutting down on golf. And at that, the woman in the relationship might say, well, you know, I don't need that many pedicures a month, and maybe I don't need to go to the spa every single week. And so we start making justifications that are going to get us to buy that house, when actually that's not such a good idea. We don't want to be a prisoner to the place that we decided to buy for our dream home
1: yeah it's just it's good planning up front and i would tell you that the problem in that scenario is they found the house before they did the budget right Mm -hmm. and so this is the mistake people make is once you go out there and you get emotionally attached to a house and you fall in love with it and you start picturing the kids running up and down the hallways and you picture the swing set you're going to put in the backyard and and you picture the dinner party you're going to throw and all these things once you're emotionally attached to that house it's too late. I mean, good financial sense has gone out the door. I would love to tell you uh, that even I can I can avoid you know, avoid and resist that temptation. It's not, it's just, it's really hard. I mean, when you, once you have fallen in love with a house, because it's more than just a building, it's our home. It's where mm-hmm. we're going to go every night with our spouse. It's where we're going to raise our kids. It's, it's so emotional. And now you go back and try to do the budget. You're going to pencil whip the budget to make it fit what you've now emotionally fallen in love with. Right. So the key is you've got to do the budget first. Okay, And you've got to do this research first before you ever go look at a house and fall in love with it, before you even call us all right, to to get pre-approved or call us and get pre-approved and we'll help you put the budget together, we'll help steer you in the right direction. You've got to do the budget because if you don't want to make those sacrifices today before you've fallen in love with the perfect – see, once you've fallen in love with the perfect house, you will, in your mind, be willing to sacrifice anything. Mm -hmm. People, like you said, give up anything. But if you're sitting there today, you're not just going to start to volunteer and say, well – Yeah, I'll give up golf. Let's give up golf. There's no emotional attachment. There's no house you're in love with. And so if you do this exercise first, if you sit down as a family unit with your spouse and you go through and you do your budget and you say, okay, what are we comfortable with? And then you commit that you are not even going to go look at a house until you know it fits within that budget. And so what this means you're going to do is you're going to check the taxes and insurance before you ever go look at it. Right. A little more work on your part, but you're going to save yourself from this trap of emotional attachment. So your real estate agent sends you a list of 10 houses. Right. All right. So on those on the list from the real estate agent, it should list the taxes right there. Right. And then you can call an insurance agent, call your insurance agent and be like, hey, here's here's 10 houses I'm looking at. Let me give you the details. You know, do any of these sound like they're going to be really expensive to insure? Are any of these not going to fit into my budget for what I'm trying right. to spend on insurance? Uh, hey, real estate agent, are there HOA dues on any of these houses? If so, what are they? Right. And you've almost got to up front say, well, agent, uh, we're looking for a hundred and dollars house if it's not an association, and we're looking for a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house if it isn't an association, because you know there's gonna be association dues. Sure. And so that sales price is going to be affected accordingly. So if you take the time before you ever go look at the houses, look at them online, that's fine. Run your numbers, you know, call us, we can help you run the numbers, we can run payments for each individual house for you. Uh, we can add in the taxes and insurance if you've got hard numbers from the the real estate agent for the taxes and from the insurance company for the insurance. And so before you ever go look at a house and fall in love with it, you can look at the payment and understand because the last thing you want to do is stumble into that house with the crazy expensive homeowner association, the crazy expensive insurance, the crazy expensive taxes, and you don't realize any of these things until after you've fallen in love with it, Right. And you make the mistake, you take the kids with you to look at the house and they're in love with it and everybody's in love with it. And now is when you're going home and you're going to pencil whip the budget and you're going to try to make it fit. And all you're doing is setting yourself up for failure. So do yourself the favor, take the extra little bit of time and and calculate the payments. Work with us. We'll be happy to help you calculate the payments on each of the 10 houses uh, so that when you go out there and look at them and you can eliminate the ones that don't fit the budget you are comfortable with before the emotional attachment sets in.
0: Hey, Robert, can I talk a little bit more about (laughs) savingthousands.com? You know I love that site. There's sometimes during the day when we kind of get a lull, maybe we're waiting for a guest or whatever, and I'll just find myself drifting towards savingthousands.com where I can read some of the excellent articles by our research staff. We haven't always had these uh, research staff people around. I think it's been the last year we've been in bringing them in day to day. And these people are great. They're out in the community. They're talking to the people. They're talking to the mortgage folks. They're talking to real estate folks. They're talking to folks in government, home fix-ups, swimming pools, you name it. They're out and about. They're talking to developers, for crying out loud. And they're writing some outstanding articles, really great articles. Here's some that are really being read on demand. And we can tell because when you click on an article, we know that, all right? So here's some of the top eight, I'd say. How much does it really cost to attend a college? When it comes to college, there are hidden costs that people need to think about, okay? Or how about this one? Paying your credit card at the right time during the month, now hear me out, paying your credit card at the right time of the month can save you money and can improve your credit score. You wanna know how? Read the article. All right, number three, definition of good credit. Where do you rank? Are you a credit risk? And remember, that's not just about getting a home loan. That's not just about getting a car loan. Do you realize that even your automobile insurance is dictated by your credit score? Oh, we know the driving record's in there too, but your credit score is now factored in. All right, number four, how much home can I really, really afford? This kind of reflects on the uh, comments made by Robert just a few minutes ago. So you wanna read the article and get even more information? But Robert, let's talk about that. Let's talk about renting and buying. We need to be educated about the importance of owning a home. I mean, when we're renters, and we just keep writing that check month after month after month, letting the landlord hold our deposit, all of that money that we are giving to him just so we can have a roof over our head, well, it's making the landlord richer and it's making us poorer. If you look
1: at the the wealth of people who are landlords compared to those who are renters, right? the The, the landlords are the rich ones, right? They're the really wealthy ones. They're the ones that have really? a, a high net worth, why? you know, because they have the real estate. And and if it was a bad deal, if owning a home was a bad deal in the long term, do you think these really rich folks would own so much real estate? Absolutely not. Uh, and and what, what happened, Rob, is for for a whole generation, they saw the way real estate ruined a lot of families' lives, right? And, and it did. And, and you know, we had, we had the crash and a lot of people were upside down. Uh, what I will tell you is if people, you know, the people who, didn't get the toxic mortgages, who didn't get taken advantage of, who got a good, solid 30-year fixed mortgage, they really didn't have the problem, right? Because their payment didn't change. Their payment didn't go up. They just kept paying it like it was rent, right? So if you lived in a house and all of a sudden that house loses value, well, if the payment is affordable, if the payment's the same as rent, who cares? When you were a renter, you didn't get any benefit of the value of the home, right? And so, but for a whole generation, they saw, you know, property prices crash. And it really happened very quickly. I mean, over a 2 or 3 year period we saw a property crash, you know, property values crash, mm-hmm. and they immediately have now started going back up. And if you delete that whole period, right? If you just if you take the long-term appreciation chart and you delete like 2005 and 6 and 7, uh maybe even 2004, it's a pretty straight line, right? So we had that anomaly where it spiked and it came back down, but over the long haul. So even the like I mean, I I had a lot of properties I bought. I bought the house I'm sitting in right now in 2007 right uh, 8 years ago to uh this week actually and uh, so yeah it's worth a lot more than uh the one or a lot less than what i paid for it uh but uh actually i'm getting pretty close back now but, but you know but but the payment is the payment and i owe a lot less than i did when i bought it 8 years ago and so yeah i didn't hit the home run with the appreciation part but i'm starting to get that back now and i bought it the worst possible time on this particular property and so even when you miss in real estate over the long haul you're going to be fine you know 15 20 years from now this thing's going to be paid off right and uh, it's gonna be paid off and it's going to be worth more than what I paid for and it's going to be a really nice asset so even even the worst of times uh, real estate is still uh, more beneficial mm-hmm. than renting right and, and so what we see Rob is people who have owned before people who have seen the impact this has right you know when you live in a house and you make your payment and uh, all of a sudden you wake up 10 years later and you've got 70 80 90 thousand dollars in equity in that house right this is that's real money you know we we've have people that they, they bought their first home. Yeah, you know, they buy a $200,000 home, probably right about the same time they start putting money into their 401k, right? And, and so then they wake up 10 years later and the the home has $70,000, dollars $90,000 in equity and the 401k only has like twenty dollars or $30,000 in it. And, and they realize that the buying the home was probably the, the best choice they could have made for their retirement. Buying the home has done more to increase their net worth and put them in a position to succeed. You know, people who bought homes in 2010 and 11 are absolutely seeing this right now. You know that their homes are up significantly. There's people who just in two or three years their homes increase sixty, seventy thousand dollars. That's real mm-hmm. money. They can sell the home right now and bank that money into their four hundred one k or whatever they want to do into a retirement account. They've got sixty or seventy thousand dollars more than the person who chose to rent. Right. So let's let's go back to person A and person B. So in two thousand ten. Person A and person B. Remember, person A is my guy who pays cash for everything Mm -hmm. and doesn't believe in credit and thinks that credit's the path of financial ruin, which it can be if you're irresponsible, right? But you don't have to be irresponsible. That's your choice. And then person B, who's very responsible, person B pays their cards off every month, takes advantage of the points, takes advantage of the discounts on the vehicle. They probably furnish their whole house with using credit card points, right? And they, they buy the vehicle, they buy an affordable car, but they take out a loan on it. Uh, so they can get a little bit newer car, so they don't have to have the big maintenance bills, and they have the good credit score. And so now in 2010, person A and person B both go to buy a $200,000 house. And person A can't get a mortgage because they don't have any credit. So they go rent. Person B buys the $200,000 house. Fast forward to today, and that house is probably worth 260, dollars $270,000. So the person who was not afraid of credit... The person who who followed rule number four, rule number four, don't abuse credit, but don't fear it either. Don't fear credit, but don't abuse it. The person who followed rule number four now has an extra $60,000, dollars 80000 in net worth because the home went up in value. The mortgage has gone down in balance, right? And, and who knows how much they've made during that time period off of cashing in their credit card points, not having to pay for vacations, getting the discount on the truck, whatever it is. You know, And and the vehicle got paid off, and they traded that one in and went out and got another vehicle with a similar payment. But it's a nicer vehicle this time because they had the down payment money plus the equity in the first vehicle, and they took out the small loan, and they didn't get eaten up with maintenance bills and and repair bills on their car because they bought a little
0: bit newer. Who's in a better situation today? And you know what? Person A is paying more in rent each and every year, while person B's home, uh, their home payment never went up. That's it. It was frozen. They
1: they locked in
0: the the person who bought the
1: home on a 30-year fixed rate loan in 2010, locked in the 2010 monthly prices, right? Think about that way. 2010 money. Yeah, yeah, 2010 money, 2010 (laughs) monthly prices, right? The Rent has gone up dramatically since 2010, but that person's mortgage payment is the exact same. This is what's powerful about the way everything we talk about here on the radio fits together, right? You know, we've got to have credit. We can't fear it. We've got to own real estate sooner, or not later. We've got to shop around. You know, we're going to assume that both of our people shop around. We're going to assume they all follow rule number one, always shop around so that they they got a good deal on the car. They got a good deal on the house. They got a good deal on the mortgage. We're going to assume all that. You know, rule number two, Rob, know your numbers. Uh, you know, person number one doesn't know their credit score because they don't have one. That's right. right? And, <laughs> and person number two has got a great credit score, which empowered them to buy that home. You know, know your numbers, know your home value. That's another big one. You know, for person two, they're really excited now when they call the home value hotline and find out how much that house is worth compared to what they, they bought it for and compared to what they owe on it today. Mm-hmm. Your balances, you know, is that mortgage balance is going down and the home value is going up as that car loan balance is going down, right? With every payment and eventually it's going to be free and clear, you know, this is know your numbers. This is rule number two, uh, interest rates, obviously a big one, you know, don't, they're not going to take my financial ninjas aren't going to take a crappy interest rate. They're not going to get beat up. They're not going to forget to make that credit card payment. They're going to make sure that everything is paid on time. They're not going to be a victim of identity theft, right? They're going to monitor their credit. They're going to know what's going on. They're going to be in tune with this. They're not going to put their head in the sand. They're not going to meander around like a financial zombie. You know, Anybody out there who's watched The Walking Dead, you know, these zombies just bounce around until they either hit a chain link fence you know, Rob, if the zombie apocalypse ever happens, I am going to invest everything I have in chain link fence companies <laughs> uh, because it's just probably the most important thing in, in fighting zombies. Uh, you know, and so this is what financial zombies do. They just kind of bounce off of things and they just kind of meander and wander around and and then a new loud noise pops up and maybe they'll pay attention. So, you know, the, the, the loud noise is maybe your, your car insurance goes up so much that you notice, right? They normally, normally they just increase it a little bit on you every year and they slow walk you into a higher payment. And then one year they they mess up and they overcharge you a little too much and now it shows up on your radar. You know this is the loud sound that's going to finally attract the the attention of the financial zombie. You know they they've been the the subject these little increases. You know they've been on auto pay. They're not paying attention. They don't open the bills. They have no idea. They've got credit cards. They're making the minimum payments on. And then all of a sudden the card's maxed out. and Now they wake up and pay attention. All right? This is this is financial zombie. And I want you to be a financial ninja. I want you to to know your numbers I want you to pay attention I want you to have a plan I want you to understand the power and the benefits of credit I want you to understand what it means to have a good credit score what it means to have a a good solid credit history what it means to have available credit that you can utilize in an emergency so you're not having to go back and borrow money from mom and dad or if you are mom and dad you're not having to borrow money from the kids you know because this is what kills me Rob there's people out there who will refuse to have you know traditional credit because, you know, they think it's going to ruin them, but they get in a pinch and they'll go borrow money from their kids or borrow money from their parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, this is where having those cards available, having that, you know, having that emergency fund, let's not forget. I want everybody rule number 10. I want you to have a savings account equal to three months of your last three months of gross pay, right? Not take home gross pay your last three months of gross pay. Now, not everybody has that, right? They should, if they listen to this radio show, they shouldn't. If you're in that situation, it's going to be a lot longer before you would need to fall back on credit, to help you in an emergency, but a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people can't put away the three months. Uh, and so if you can't, you've gotta have something else to fall back on. So we, we've got to, when I say don't abuse credit, when rule number four says don't abuse credit, this is don't live outside your means, don't purchase things you can't afford, right? But when you've got the cash, when you've got the money, when it's an easy purchase that you're gonna make anyway, I don't want you to fear credit. If you can benefit from using the credit, I want you to use the credit, it's, it's that simple.
0: And uh, so that, that's rule number four. Well, I gotta tell you folks, I know that we're right now getting up to speed, but now we've gotta say goodbye. So until the next time, let me leave you with some of the great, great places that you can acquire more of Robert Palmer's teachings, of his philosophies and his knowledge of money. And how did he come upon that you wonder? I think if you've been listening for a while, you know. But of course, Robert Palmer has been in the mortgage industry all of his professional career. And along the way, don't you think that he has come across tens of thousands of credit applications, tens and thousands of credit reports? Yeah. And he has talked to tens and thousands of people about the mistakes that we make. And he does this in a caring way, not a pejorative way of the mistakes that we have fallen into that have meant the difference between a 580 and a 750 credit score. So keep learning, keep becoming a financial ninja. And you can do that through savingthousands.com. You can do that in our radio shows. You've got the radio show here on this great channel. You've also got the radio show 24-7 on iHeart. If you go to iHeartRadio in the search engine, just type in Robert Palmer. You can also go to your Play Store for your phone, and you can download Saving Thousands Radio, the app. That's right. (laughs) There is an app for that. A couple of other places you might go to read some great articles, to listen to some great interviews. We have uh, one site that we power called Estate of Eyes. A state of us. You're going to love that site. It deals with bringing the population, especially the younger people, back into the housing market with a true understanding of real estate, and that's what that site's all about. We have another site called Real Prospector, and it goes a little bit more into the actual industry of real estate and mortgages. It's actually kind of a well-read document each and every day by people in the real estate market, but it's also open to you. So the more you know about the ins and outs of the industry, the better off you are. But all along the way, the end result is we're all saving thousands with Robert Palmer.